kennels. Thank you, ladies. Ephesians chapter 5, please. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 28 says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you that we can come together in this second service today. We do pray that, Lord, you would help us to uh, be alert and to be attentive to your word, and Father, to glean from your word that which you have for us today. Lord, I pray that you give me wisdom from on high, that I might speak with clarity, I might speak, Father God, the truth, and only that which you would have me to say. And I pray, Father God, that we'd receive from you today a blessing. Lord, we are needy people, and we do need you to meet our needs, and Father, one way you meet those needs is through your word. We ask today that, Lord God, you would meet us where we're at and challenge us through your truth today, Father. Whether we be young or old, whether we be um, man or woman, that, Father God, today we would receive something from your word that would bless us, encourage us, and guide us. We do pray that you bless now and give wisdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure that each and every one of us here today know that God has ordained the family and the home. And as we said last week, what we need today more than ever are godly homes, a Bible kind of home. And last Sunday we said, we noted that a Bible kind of home must begin with the man. This is not to belittle the ladies or to forget godly mothers and godly wives, but to start where God starts. And God intended in the Christian home that it should start with a godly man. A man who knows his God-given role within the family. In fact, the couple who accept, who know and accept what God's word teaches concerning their roles and seek to fill their roles in the home will have a happy and godly home. So in our study on the family, we started two weeks ago with the wives and last Sunday we started to look at the men. And we saw the role of the Christian husband and we said that that role is a, a twofold role according to Ephesians chapter 5. He said last week that God intends for the husband to lead his wife in verse 23. And now this morning we want to consider the second role of the husband which God intends for a man to love his wife. Verse 25, husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. A psychiatrist is quoted as saying that he would lose half of his patience if husbands would love their wives as the scripture commanded. Lose half his patience if a husband would love his wife as the scriptures command. You know, much has been written and said about the manner in which a wife is submits to her husband. But over the years, very little has been said about how a husband ought to love his wife. 
As I noted last time, it's interesting in this passage of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 33, the vast majority of the verses are about the men. There's two verses for the women out of all these verses, these uh, 10, 11 verses, and there are uh, the rest of the verses, the nine of them, basically about man and his relationship with his wife or that which demonstrates a relationship of Christ and his church. So while it's been neglected uh, for the most part in writing, it certainly isn't neglected in the word of God. But you know, if men offered to fill their obligation to love their wives, it would solve a lot of problems in the home. So how well do we love our wives? Well, the simple answer is verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's the simple answer. Love as Christ loved. And we can go home now because we've stated the fact and that's that. But the problem is, what does it mean? What does it mean to love as Christ loved the church? What do we mean by this statement in the word of God? So first of all, this morning, I want you to consider with me the meaning of love as Christ loved. What does it mean to love as Christ loved? You know, ask the average husband if he loves his wife. Ask him, do you love your wife? He will reply with certainty. And he'll say, certainly, of course I love my wife. There's not a man here today who's married who wouldn't make that statement. I'm sure we would say it if I was to ask the question and of you today, left, do you love your wife? You would say, yes, I love my wife. Because that's what most husbands would say. And what he means by that varies. But often what he means is what he feels towards her, or perhaps what he does for her, or perhaps uh, what he does for her by way of care and consideration, or perhaps he means I love my wife because I provide for her. But you know, the love the Apostle Paul speaks of here in Ephesians chapter 5 is not measured by what he feels. It's not even measured directly by what he does. It's not about what he feels. It's not about what he does. It's measured by sacrifice. It's measured by the sacrifice of self. Self-sacrifice. When the Bible says, Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church, he then tells us how he loved and gave himself for it. The love that's spoken of here in Ephesians chapter 5 is a self-sacrificing love. This love is often the exact opposite of the love referred to in society. You know, the world thinks of love totally differently than we think of love, and particularly Hollywood love. They think of love as being erotic. They think of love as being sensual. Uh, Lust would be a better word to describe the kind of love that the world thinks love is. When, when the world thinks of love, they generally are thinking of lust, they're generally thinking of a sensual, uh, physical, touchy-feely type of love. But you know, romantic love is transitory. It shifts with moods and can fade. Depending on how you feel depends on how you love. You know, you're feeling miserable, you're feeling uh, awful and down in the dumps. It's very hard to show romantic love. It's transitory. It's affected by 
feelings is affected by what we're doing. And when it does, people say things like they have fallen out of love. Or they say we're no longer compatible. And of course, ultimately, if that continues, they head off to the divorce court. And you hear that a lot. The reason why they have divorced is because of irreconcilable differences. Whatever that means. I don't love her anymore. This is why it's important that we have a solid foundation for our marriages. Rather than marry on the base of physical attraction. You know, this is why we spend a lot of time teaching young people that their relationships need to be built upon something other than physical attraction. If the only reason that a man, boy goes out with a girl is because she looks good, it's not a good reason for, that, uh, for them to have a relationship. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than a physical attraction. That's why, you know, we emphasize the fact that it ought to be a, a very uh, uh, a non-physical relationship but a much more uh, uh, a social relationship, a relationship where they get to know each other. Because it has to be, a marriage has to be built upon a solid foundation. That foundation is love. Bible love. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 33, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife as, uh, that see that she reverence her husband. Love the wife. And this love is a love that is similar to the love that Christ has for the church. A love which is measured by sacrifice. A love that transcends all other kinds of loves. A love that makes the wife the exclusive object of the husband's love. Somebody said this, this love is a love that says, you shall reign in my heart. You are the one whom I have longed for. Without you I am incomplete. I will give everything for you, myself as well as all that I possess. I love you and you alone. What's this love? This love is a love that... It centers in on the wife and it's a kind of love that Christ has for the church, a love that is unsurpassed, a love that is sacrificial, a love that gives of yourself to your wife. Now the Greek word for love here is the Greek word agape, which is the strongest, most intimate, far-reaching, comprehensive, fulfilling term for love in the Greek language. Now, Greek does have other words for love. They have phileo love, which is brotherly love. They have eros love, which is erotic love. But this love is the love that stands at the top of it all. This is the agape love. This is that supreme love. It's used in Scripture to describe the love of God for you and I. When it says in John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world, it's this what love. It's this sacrificial love. It's this unsurpassed love. It's this love that stands above all other kinds and forms of love. In fact, it's very difficult to really love properly with phileo love and, and eros love unless you love with agape love. Husbands, we're to have this same love for our wives, this agape love. Agape love is unconditional 
Agape love is unchanging. Agape love is unlimited. I mean, just look at God. You know, God loves us unconditionally, doesn't he? God loved you and I while we were sinners. He loved us unconditionally. There was no condition upon on us for God to love us. When God looked at you and I, we were unlovable. We were wretched, hell-bound sinners. There was nothing in us worth loving. As far as God was concerned, all of our righteousnesses, the best that we did, were filthy rags. And yet when he looked at you and I, he loved us unconditionally. He loved you and I unchangingly. Nothing that we do, nothing that we say can stop God loving us. Romans 8 tells us there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing you and I can do before we're saved or after we're saved can stop God loving us. He loves us with agape love. It's not affected by what we do. It's not affected by what we are. It simply is God loving us and it's unlimited. God loved the world. That's agape love. It's a love that continues to give without expecting anything in return. It's a love that is moved to respond even though the person is responding to has no reason to be loved. It's the love that moved God to send his son to die for us. It's the love that moved Jesus Christ to walk up Calvary's mountain and hang there on the cross. Even though he was despised and rejected of men, he hung there for you and I because he loved us. As God defines it, agape love is not an emotion, nor is it a feeling. It's an act of self-sacrifice. There's nothing touchy-feely about God's love for you and I. There's nothing, there's nothing about, the, this is not an emotion, this is not God saying, I, I love you because you love me. God chose to love us. And anyone with a need is worthy of this kind of love. Agape love always acts, always meets needs, always does whatever has to be done, and always reaches out. And men, we're to love our wives with this same kind of love, this agape love, this self-sacrificing love, this love that requires nothing in return, this love that simply keeps on giving, keeps on reaching out, keeps on showing and demonstrating how much we love our wives. We're to love with agape love. That's what it means to love our wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, it's a sacrificial, self-sacrificing love. So what's the model of this love? The meaning of the love, the model of the love. The model of this love is none other than Christ. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. He is, the, he is the example. He is the model. If you and I want to know what it means to love, how we should love our wives, look at Christ. 
Look at what he did when he came to earth for you and for me. It speaks of sacrificial love. The idea is we need to, be, we need to love our wives enough to die for her. Whether she acts like she's worth dying for or not. That's what it means. That you and I are willing to die for our wives even if she, in the minds of others, is not worth dying for because we weren't doing, dying for her, were we? When Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary to die for you and I, we were not dying for her. We were wretched sinners. There was none righteous, no, not one. We'd all gone our own way. We'd all become sheep going astray. You and I were dead in trespasses and sins. We were unrighteous. We were defiled. There was nothing in us worth saving. But he loved us anyway. And died for us anyway. Sacrificial love is undeserved love. It's a love that goes to the furthest extremity as exemplified in Christ. When Christ died upon the cross of Calvary, he said in effect to you and I this, you don't deserve anything, but I'll give you everything. You don't deserve anything, but I'll die for you. You don't deserve my best, but I'll give my life for you. And we're to say to our wives, men, I love you, and commit myself to I will give you everything I have even to the point of dying for you because that's how much I love you not because she deserves it but because God commands it it's a command here man husbands love your wives it's a command and we're to love her even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. We're to love her sacrificially. We're to love her with every ounce of our being. We're to love her even if she doesn't deserve that love. It's saying I love you and I commit myself to you. This love here, this agape love is an act of the will. We choose to love our wives. I've heard men say, well, I just don't love her anymore. Well, if that's true, they're being disobedient to the command of God. God said to you and I, love your wives. There's a command. Say, I just don't love her anymore is to disobedience to God. It's contrary to God's command for you and I, men. God commands you and I to love our wives. Now, we like it when the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. We love that fact that that's a command, don't we? That God commands her to submit. But we don't particularly like it when we're told that God commands us to love. See, this love is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling you get when you have a feeling like you've never had a feeling before. Okay? You get that by eating pizza before you go to bed. You know, that's a feeling you have that you may never have had before. But that's not this love. This is not this is not that love that you know the boy gets when he first realizes that there is a girl, you know, and he realizes that 
that opposite sex that he's been going to school with, all of a sudden he realizes that she's not that bad after all and starts to see her in a different light and starts to realize that she is a girl and that means that she's something that's pretty and something that she, he likes and there he has a feeling that he's never had before. That's not this love. That may well be turned puppy love. That may well be turned effectuation. But it's not agape. When it says husbands love your wives, it's not saying love her because she deserves it. God is saying to you and I, love her whether you think she deserves it or not. Because even if you and I were the holiest being on the face of the earth, well, let's be more precise, the face of the universe. Let's say that you and I were the holiest being in the whole of the universe and our wives were the vilest sinners that ever walked the face of the planets, the command doesn't change. Do you realize that? And by the way, you are not the holiest person that ever walked the face of the earth, and she's not the vilest person that ever walked the face of the earth. In fact, the reality is probably you are less holy than she is. But we're still to love them. You see, you and I had to make up our minds to love her. It's as much an act of the will as an act of the heart, man. That's why God could command this. Now remember the context of this, that we're talking first century here. We're talking different kind of marriage here. In fact, in some of the, the places that Paul is writing to and are reading this, they have arranged marriages whereby they don't actually see the girl they're going to marry until they're actually standing at the altar and they take back the veil and they realize who their dad picked out for them. We've got to be thankful we don't live in that society. I know that my girls are thankful I don't get to pick their husbands for them. Uh, they got to choose themselves because, uh, you know, they probably wouldn't like my choice too much. And uh, but we don't do that. We don't pick and choose for our children who they're going to marry. But you know, when he says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, he's saying this to some people who are in arranged marriages and they now have to choose to love the one they've married. It's as much an act of the will as it is the act of the heart. You know, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, here's a classic example of it. It says, But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve his love. But while you and I were still sinners, he loved us anyway. God chose to love us. Now think about that. This is an amazing thing because actually God chose to love us and he chose for his son to die for us before the foundation of the world. God made a decision he was going to love sinners before ever he created us and he said that his son was going to die for us before ever he created us. God chose to love us and chose to love sinners like you and me irrespective of the fact that we don't deserve it. And that's the love with which we love our wives. See, love doesn't just do what it feels. Love does what is right. 
In marriage, it's not a matter of whether our wife deserves our love. It's a matter of sharing love because it's right. And by the way, just in case anyone misunderstands me, our wives do deserve that we love them, by the way. I'm not saying they don't deserve it. They do deserve it. You know, if we're honest, men, our wives are remarkable people. And we can be thankful to God for our wives. And we can praise God every day for the wife that God gave us, and we ought to. They do deserve our love, but the point of the verse here is that it's not about what she deserves, it's about just doing what's commanded, love her. And we need to remember we're commanded to love our wives. You know, it's not even a matter of attraction that causes love. This is not about the fact that she looks good, therefore I love attracted to her, therefore I love her. That's not this, that's not agape love. It's not about attraction. It's an issue of a binding commandment of God. Love your wife. It's an issue of obedience to God. It's choosing to love her. So how do we love with this kind of love? How do we love as Christ loved us? Well, we probably could list a thousand practical ways for a husband to love their wives. But we don't have time for a thousand ways to describe how to love our wives. So let's mention just one, as mentioned in Ephesians 5.28. It says this, So want men to love their wives as their own bodies. He loved his wife, loved himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. We're to love as our own bodies. And the reason for that is because no man ever hated his own flesh. You know, we have, a, we have, we have a, a, an ability to take care of ourselves. We, we are, you know, if there's one character rate that is a flaw in men, it's that we are very self-centered. We do know how to take care of ourselves. We know how to find the money to buy what we want. We may not be able to find the money for what she wants. In fact, what we want is a need, and what she wants is a want. Okay? Uh, she's got nothing to wear. That's her need but we don't think she needs that, but we need a new tool because that's what we need. Mind you, we may never use it, but we would need it. We may never use it, for, may use it once and then it sits in the shed for a while, but we need it. We have a great capacity as men to take care of ourselves, and the Bible says that because it says that uh, uh, you and I as men, we, we are, no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he does nourish it and does cherish it, even as the Lord cherished the church. We, we know how to take care of ourselves. We know how to uh, make sure that we're well fed. We know how to make sure. We know how to look after ourselves. And so it says here that you and I, if we're going to love with agape love, we've got to love as Christ loved. And how do we demonstrate that? By loving our wives as our own selves. Now, this is a common Jewish saying that a man's wife is as his own body. It's one of their precepts, one of the Jewish precepts, that a man should honor his wife more than his body and love her as his body. 
For as they also say, they are but one body. And the apostle seems to speak in the language of his countrymen. Notice what he says right down the end as we go on, continue reading this passage. It says in verse 30, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. We're to treat our wives as our own selves. Why? Because we are one flesh. We are one body. When you and I got married, and young people, when you get married, what happens is you join together and you become one flesh. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and Genesis puts it, shall cleave to his wife. He'll stick to her like glue. He's joined to her. They become one flesh. It's a one flesh relationship. So what you do to yourself, you do to her. And what you do to her, you do to yourself. And it seems the apostle here is speaking to his fellow countrymen in language that they understand. We're to love her as our own body. Peter puts it this way. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, please. 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter speaks of it a little differently, but he has the same idea. This is in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, that's dwell with your wife, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as under a regal vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. We to give honor to the wife. And the idea of love her as your own body is the same idea as that honor her. Loving her wives translates into wanting the best for her. It's visualizing your wife as if she's got VIP stamped across her forehead. She's a very important person. It's putting your wife on a pedestal. It's honoring her. It's attaching high value to her. It's honoring her most important person in your life, second only to your relationship with Jesus Christ, that she is the most important person in your life. That's who you live for. That's who you desire to be with. That's the one that you want to provide for. She is as your own flesh. And because you're going to love her as your own body, you're going to nourish her and cherish her just as you would your own body. You love her. It's speaking well of her. It's speaking respectfully to her. It's doing deeds as well as words that demonstrate you love her. Not only by clothing her as befitting her status of our wives, but by providing everything she needs. Providing food for her, providing raiment for her, yes. It's providing clothes for her, you know, those things she says, I don't have anything to wear. It's just part of that. It's providing clothes for her, it's providing food for her, it's giving her a place to call home. It's providing all the necessities of life for her that she might live a God honoring life. This was the doctrine of the Jews. They would say this. This is what the Jews would say. They would say, let a man always take care of the glory of his wife. 
For there's no blessing found in a man's house, but for the sake of his wife, as it is said in Genesis 12, 16, and he entered and treated Abraham well for her sake. And the rabbis used to say to the citizens, honor your wives that you may be rich. They believe this so much, the Jews believe this so much, that we are to treat our wives as our own selves, as our own flesh. They believe this so much, and they believe that treating our wives right is God-honoring, and we do it for, and that God will honor us for our wife's sake. They believe it so much that they promise it in their marriage contract. So when they get married, the man says this, Be thou unto me for a wife according to the law of Moses and Israel, and I, by the word of heaven, O God, will worship and honor and nourish and take care of thee, according to the custom of the Jews who worship and honor and nourish and take care of their wives. The Jewish men attach high value to their wives. And here in Ephesians chapter 5, we're told that we're to give that same high value to our wives. We are to love them as our own bodies. They are one flesh with us. Therefore, we are to do for her that which brings glory to God. We're to love her with a sacrificial love. She is the most important person in our lives. In practical terms, you might say that our wives must know that she is number one. Because you know, what that means to a husband communicate non-verbally that other people or activities are more important than their wives. We've all heard of golf widows, haven't we? You know, our wife and material happiness will suffer if most of our time and efforts are dedicated and directed towards other interest and giving simply to our wives cold leftovers. A wife can feel less important just by comparing the amount of time we spend with her and the time we spend elsewhere. Our wives notice how our eyes light up and our entire personality changes. And we've become excited about a fishing trip or a golf day. You know, we're walking around the house, we're pretty miserable and we're not very happy and all of a sudden somebody rings and says, what are you doing? Oh, not much. Want to go fishing? Love to. Want to go and play golf? Love to. And all of a sudden this man who's been moping around the home and not enjoying being with his wife is excited about going out with his mates. Why don't you just tell your wife? that golf or fishing is more exciting than she is. Our wives should know that they first. That's before our jobs, before our activities, before our mother, before our friends, before our children, before everything. She's the most important person in our lives. She should know that she comes first. You know, we are very good men at getting involved in things. You know, some people are workaholics. Some people love to play sports. 
Some people love to go to their shed. And we're good at that. We're good at, you know, some people love playing the computer, playing computer games. We're good at that. We're good at finding ourselves things to do without ever thinking about what that's doing to our wives. One of the things I've never worked out in 30-odd years of married life is, you know, I can be in the house with my wife, in the same room as my wife, and she'll say to me, Something along the lines of, you know, I, I just don't feel like I'm close to you today. Then I'll go out in the garden, I'll mow the lawns in the back lawn, and she'll be in the front gardening. She's coming, she had a great day together. And I, I can't quite figure that out, except for the fact that she felt like I was participating in what she was doing. Therefore, she felt like I was showing her the interest that she deserved. And then if we try to work them out, we'll go mad. I understand that. And when we get to glory, we're probably going to have a quiet word with the Lord and ask him what he was doing when he made a woman because we don't understand them. But just because we don't understand them doesn't mean that we ought to neglect them. Just because we don't understand them doesn't mean we don't obey God's commands of you and I. Just because we don't understand them doesn't mean that we don't try to love them as our own bodies, which God commands us to do. You see, we're to love them with the gap love, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, even as we love our own bodies. So that she feels like she is the most important person in our lives, even above our children. The choice is this, men. We can neglect our wives or we can earnestly apply ourselves to learn how to love our wives more effectively, more consistently. Not because of the benefit that we might derive from it, but because it's the right thing to do. See, you and I need to realize that we, none of us are going to have a perfect marriage. And we'll not have a perfect marriage for we're not perfect. In fact, two imperfect people are getting married and that's what makes for imperfection. But you and I, while we might not be able to have a perfect marriage, we can have a prosperous marriage. We can achieve in our marriage what God intended. We can have a marriage that reflects the very character of Christ. Verse 30 says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. Just as we're members of the body of Christ, and therefore he loves us as his own body, so too we are to love our wives as our own bodies. And this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. That's God's command to you and to me. If we don't want to go through life with a crippled marriage, we'll need to apply God's principles to our marriages. Men, we need to obey God's command and love our wives as Christ loved the church. For if we will, we will benefit, our wives will benefit, our children will benefit, but more importantly, God will be glorified. Men, we have a great responsibility in the home. God chose you and I to lead our wives. 
And God commands you and I to love our wives. I wonder how well we're doing at fulfilling our responsibility in the home. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Father God, for the command in your word to love our wives. Lord, help us to realize that this is a command of God not to love her because she deserves it, but love her because you command it. To love her sacrificially as Christ loved us. To love her as our own bodies. That we might indeed honor her. That she might be the number one in our lives. And may the young men who are not yet married remember these principles when they do get married. That they might have the kind of marriage that honors you and glorifies you. And Lord, help us to be the couples you want us to be. That we might have the homes that you want us to have. So, Father, when you command our children to obey their parents in Ephesians chapter 6, they might have parents worthy of that obedience and that honor to your glory. Bless us now as we close, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.